with your masquerading and you always contemplating what to do in case happiness found you can't you see that it's all around you so follow me hey come on baby follow me on the path this week on Podcast. Chris Stiers, Bruce Kazra, and myself all become fanboys of Robert Samuel, the proprietor of the great websites and organization called Fanboy Nation and FangirlNation.com. This is Plot Points Podcast. Plot Points Podcast, and we are uh, happy to have with us, besides the normal uh, uh, peanut gallery we uh, of uh, Chris Styers. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Good. And Bruce Kazra? How you doing, Mark? Good to be here again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Good to have you guys. Uh, we have with, uh, with us a uh, recent friend. We've known each other for about a year, uh, but he's a really great guy. His name is Robert Samo. Hi, Robert. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for, for accepting the invitation to come to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So a little bit of background on Robert, and I'll let him fill in the rest. But he is uh, the proprietor of a great website called uh, Fanboy Nation. Um, and Robert, you can tell him a little bit of, of what you do there. He's also a new uh, screenwriting student and a podcasting student. So this is all this is all very cool because uh, I, I, I get to know him a little bit better every week. But uh, tell, tell us what uh, Fanboy Nation does, Robert. Well, I'm the founder of Fanboy Nation and Fangirl Nation. We have two sites. Uh, one's uh, targeting a male demographic, the other one a female demographic, although the numbers would say inverse. Hmm. Um, we cover everything on Fanboy Nation from comic books to combat sports. And similar with Fangirl Nation, comics, novels, films, television, anime, animation, et cetera. So anything that you could be a super fan of, mm-hmm. uh, we, we like to cover. Mm, and it's great, too. Um, Robert and I are Facebook friends, so I see him posting stuff all the time. He, he hangs out with celebrities. I mean, you know, he's like taking selfies with, uh, I don't know who you, you, you had about 12 selfies with, with like a bunch of celebrities the last oh, one we went to. That was at the Critics' Choice Awards. That's yeah. more for image. You know, you know, boring me, I'd rather be home in my pajamas watching cartoons. <laughs> 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 well, you uh, you clean up pretty nice. Um, and uh, so it, it's always good to see your smile. You have a great smile. I, I always envy oh. people with great smiles. So you have it- a- if only the ladies agreed with you. So. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't be, uh, Mark really gives the best compliments. He really does. <laughs> I've never heard another grown man say that I have a nice smile, but I really appreciate it. That's awesome to hear. The only other person that ever said that to me was my orthodontist. <laughs> One of the things I did want to mention uh, at the top is I have just signed uh, contracts to write a uh, pilot for a series. Oh, Congratulations. Awesome. Cool. Congratulations, yeah. Mark. Well, it's spec. I mean, nobody's going to buy it until somebody buys it, but uh, I'm, I'm being asked to write it on assignment, and 
I mean, the thing is, is this is a 17-part process. So I've signed the contracts. The producer signed the contracts. And now the guy who uh, who's paying the money, who will probably also be known as a producer, uh, has to sign the contracts and pay the money. And then I have to wait three days until the check is cleared, and then I'll consider it a done deal. But um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about the the genre of the project, or give us a, a long uh, line? Still in early stages. Yeah, I I really can't. Um, I I have to figure out how to answer that question because there's a way to do it without revealing what it is. But it's a it's basically a drama. Uh, it takes place in a a really. Um, super rich cultural environment. I, I don't know how to put it without giving it away because I can't say what it is, but um, it, it's way above uh, my lifestyle. Let's put it that way. I mean, it'd be, it? like, it'd be like if I was writing Dallas or something like that, or uh, uh, I don't even know if uh, Bruce knows what Dallas is, but uh, you know, I've, I've heard, of, I've heard of Dallas. My grandma loves that show. Yeah. <laughs> they've also, they've also rebooted that in dynasty. So he should be okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. He's okay. <laughs> So uh, anyway, um, so I don't, I mean, I, it's a world I know very little about, uh, but um, it's, he's, this guy's got tons of information. Uh, So he's kind of, it's kind of based on, on his, uh, the last 20 years of his life. So, uh, so it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. Did you get to write the theme song too? Yeah. It's going to sound just like the, uh, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my head. I mean, I've all got all the goddamn themes to come up with. That's that one. <laughs> hey, they're still touring. So are they really? Yeah. Oh my well, God. They were up until last year. So no, are, are, or are they on the kiss? Absolutely final until we decide we need more money tour. Uh, so. <laughs> what is what my friend referred to all those final tours as uh gal. Uh, what's it called? Gambling debts and alimony checks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I would love to see somebody call a tour that. That would be <laughs> so. Um, so this week we, we uh, we've got the Academy Awards coming up, um, and I kind of I kind of thought you know I I know what I know we're all at a kind of a disadvantage with maybe not Robert. I don't I don't go to the movies as much as I used to, and uh, so I've seen a couple of them. But this is purely just you know take a guess and let it fly. Uh, best picture. Um, best uh, screenplay and best adapted screenplay. So let me let me read the best picture features, and then we'll go through everybody. And you guys can give a brief reason why you think it is. And and I just guessed it's perfectly uh, perfectly viable. That's not an issue. So so for for best picture, we have Black Panther, uh, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star Is Born. And Vice. So, uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, haven't seen any of them yet. Yeah, just, just but, uh, <laughs> but I will throw out there that the ones that intrigue me that I will end up seeing at some point mm-hmm. are The Favorite, Green Book, and A Star is Born. Okay, you do know how to play this game, right? When I say pick your <laughs> just best. Pick one. Pick one. Pick one. Uh, yeah, Chris. Star is Born. Okay. Uh, Bruce? I think Roma is going to get it. Okay. It's an interesting choice. Robert, any thoughts on this? Uh, Vice <laughs> is the winner. 
All right. Well, so we have we have a non-consensus period because I'm going to pick Green Book. The only reason I'm picking it is because I think it's one of the more accessible films. It has a great message. Yes. Um, it's not a foreign film. It's not a Netflix film. It's not a retread, and it's not political. Um, and I feel I like would, the fact that I feel like the fact that it's a foreign film really doesn't stop it uh, from winning. I mean, didn't the artist win just a few years ago? And that was essentially a silent film. So right. I think I think from an like an artistic standpoint, I think the Academy sometimes favors those really artsy movies. I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, so uh, we continue, Mark. <laughs> but no, I don't. I just don't think it's going to get. It's a. It's a. From what I hear, it's a. It's a. It's a very slow piece, only because it's of the subject matter, and I don't think. Hollywood is necessarily going to reward it for that. Plus, I do take uh, Robert's point. You know, they released it on Netflix, and sure. Hollywood really hated that. So, yeah. um, I that do, th- I do think Roma will give uh, Capernaum a run for its money for best foreign film, though. Mm, that's yes, a great. Sir. There, there you go. There you go. Sure. All right, so for best screenplay, we have um, again. This is a guess on most of our parts because I haven't seen most of them either. Uh, we have the favorite. First Reformed, which I heard was really incredible. Green Book, Roma, or Vice. So what do you think for best screenplay, Robert? I would say either Vice or Roma for best screenplay. Pick one. Let's go with Vice. Okay. Bruce? Um, and this is original screenplay, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think if, if I would narrow it down, it probably would be between Roma and Green Book. Um, like you said, I, I think the Academy really doesn't like the fact that it's on Netflix. They don't like Netflix films at the moment. So uh, I think they might give them some love in the screenplay category. Mm. I also think Green Book has a really good chance. It does have five nominations this year, um, but it has received some criticisms because uh, they took a lot of liberties with the screenplay. So I, I would probably have to give it to Roma on this one. Okay, so that's two for Roma you've given. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan of Roma. Okay, <laughs> Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, First Reformed because okay. of Paul Schrader's history. Yeah, right. He's a terrific writer, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to go with Green Book uh, again because I think even though they took some liberties with the uh, script, I don't believe that's going to uh, – but I also think that it's going to be close with Roma just because of the way that uh, people are talking about that. So, All right, so Best Adapted is A Star is Born. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, uh, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Bruce, what do you think? I think this one really is a shoe-in for um, If Beale Street Could Talk. Okay. Uh, Robert? Beale Street, hands down. Chris, what do you think? From what I've heard about Beale Street, I'm figuring it's very current and topical. Hollywood likes to go rebel upon occasion. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go with Black Klansman. So besides my, um, my um, let's uh, transition. First of all, let me mention I'm with uh, Chris Stiers, Bruce Kazra, and Robert Samo, who is uh, sole proprietor of Fanboy Nation and Fangirl Nation. Uh, I, I highly recommend you visit the site just to, just to bathe in the wonderfulness of it. He's, he's such a hard, you're such a hard worker, Robert. You, you, you really do work a lot. Um, well, and, Fangirl Nation, you have to give thanks to Victoria Irwin and uh, – 
all the all the work she does over there. So she's the one that deserves all the praise for how Fangirl Nations run. Fanboy Nation, we have a very good staff, and and we are uh, we're trying to do our best over there as well. Yeah, well, you do you do a great job. So, um, so is anybody working on anything that they want to talk about? Uh, I, I like I said, I'm signing contracts for this series and uh, st- still working on you know like six other things that uh, including the Revolutionary War script. Has anybody picked up anything new in the last couple of weeks? No, no. Bruce? I think if if I can, yeah, if I can chime in there, uh, I've started uh, dipping my foot into uh, the waters of sketch comedy, and uh, I've been. Uh, writing uh, quite a few sketches over the past couple of days. Uh, I don't want to get anything, get in anything too deep yet, but uh, uh, I've, I've written them out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I joined this uh, improv class, so I'm going to go run it by some of the people there. And uh, hopefully I can get something finalized and, and make a, um, either like a small video, short film or like a small video out of it, or um, just uh, have a completed script, hopefully by the end of uh, next week. Nice. You know, I mean, on the basis of the way you look, people should be laughing anyway. So I think it's <laughs> it's fifty fifty, Mark. I do well in right. certain markets. <laughs> well, I'm lucky because on the basis of the way I look, I'm going into voice acting, so I'm going to be behind the microphone most of the time. <laughs> you got a, you got a face for radio, is what you're saying? <laughs> I got a face for radio and cartoons. Uh, <laughs> but you do have a great voice, so that's that's. Fa- are you uh, are you working on? Are you studying that? Did you have, take? Yeah. Are you taking class? Yeah, I've been taking classes uh, since. Uh, end of June, beginning of July, uh-huh. and I went on a cruise with Bob Bergen, who's the voice of Porky Pig, and studied oh, under yeah. him uh, wow. for that week as well. And wow. you know, uh, we got we got things in the works, trying to get into ring announcing as well. Oh yeah, for your MMA stuff and all yeah. that. Yeah, cool. Oh, you work in MMA as well? Do you do, you, I, do you commentating analysis? I, I cover MMA and professional wrestling as well because we know some serious mixed martial arts and pro wrestling fanboys, and you know, it's part of our wheelhouse. I mean, Batman's the one getting into the cage every night. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, and, and besides that, Robert, you have some. You do have some um, experience with uh, with uh, fighting skills and stuff like that, like judo and and wrestling. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the fun stuff right there. You know, I don't like the idea of getting punched or kicked in the face. So I give <laughs> I give the strikers a lot of credit for taking that punishment. You know what? They'd have to. How are they going to reach your face? You're like seven foot tall. I can't even. <laughs> Just six three, but yeah. yeah all right. Well, you <laughs> high, high kicks, Mark. High kicks. You, no, you know what it is? Is I take out his knees first. I've told him this. Before. Oh, you go, for, you go straight for the leg. Yeah, the, the knees, knees, groin. You should. We should make a song out of that. <laughs> Eyes and throat and groin and toes. <laughs> anyway, Robert. So I want to talk to you a little bit about. Um, you're you're new to. Uh, I loved what you said in class, which was uh, after years of being critical of uh, everybody else's work, I decided to take the plunge and and see if I could uh, write or so- something to that effect. Like you're you're finally going to come down from your ivory tower and learn <laughs> how the, the rest of us peons. Uh, so how, how's everything? How do you how's it? How is it uh, presenting to you so far? You're a tyrant. You're an absolute tyrant. <laughs> yeah, just because I made you rewrite your scene. <laughs> no, it, it's great because it's stuff that I haven't looked at from a critical perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, from an artistic perspective, I've always wanted to learn the format, but the format just seems so daunting. And you've simplified it to the point that, like, yes, I can do this, but I also need to follow the structure, like remembering if it's day or night in the scene, <laughs> even if it is outdoors or indoors. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, you're, uh, you and your fellow classmates are all pretty talented. I was really impressed by the opening salvo. Last week, not so much, but uh, this right. week, you guys, or the, the first week, you, you really impressed the crap out of me. Um, so are you, um, I mean, is it something you think you, you might pursue down the road? Is it something you really enjoy? Oh, absolutely. I, I think um, uh, Roger Ebert, before he passed away, was the most successful film critic because he also wrote the screenplay for uh, Valley of the Dolls. Yep, yep. And he had that movie made. So if anybody should have an opinion on film, it should be Robert Ebert because he lived that life. And same with Leonard Maltin. He's the one that created the guidebook Mm -hmm. to all these films and as a Mm -hmm. film historian. So those are the two guys I really look at more than anything because one has made a movie and the other one wrote the guidebooks for movies. Yeah. So everybody else, like myself, is you know just opinionated at this point. Well, I mean, it's based in, it's obviously based in some, uh, some scholarship there. You're, you know, being a, being an observer makes you, makes you an expert at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying having you in class and having, uh, I always enjoy the intro class. I I enjoy both classes. I, I shouldn't say that I enjoy the intro class, but the intro class is great because it's, it's me opening a lot of doors and me showing people what, is really behind screenwriting as opposed to just putting down, uh, you know, interior room night or something right. like that. So, yeah, I mean, this, the structure is there, but in the storytelling and just the, the eye that you have for that storytelling and how you've ruined all films for us in just two and a half weeks. <laughs> Great. Has been a lot of fun. You couldn't have paid me a higher compliment, by the way. Thank you very much. I do, I do reveal that, right? Bruce, you were in the class. I told you the same thing, right? Oh, you know, you really did. It was, uh, he pays the highest of compliments and also gives you the lowest of insults. So <laughs> somewhere in the middle and you, you, you leave class more, more confused than anything. No, just yeah. kidding. No, he, Mark is really great. Uh, and I, I honestly couldn't have asked for a better mentor. Well, yeah. thank you. I, but I mean, it's, what it's about is just, you know, I share, I, I love this stuff and I just would like to share the stuff that I've learned about it. So it's like in podcasting class, I, it took me a year to realize how many mistakes I could make. Uh, so I just made a bunch and they were monetary mistakes too. I mean, they cost me, I had some skin in this. And so bringing that, you know, eliminating all the mistakes, not all the mistakes, of course, but eliminating the majority of them, uh, I, it makes me feel good to do something like that. So. Yeah. And you did get upset with me when I said that, uh, Every Marvel movie is now Iron Man, same way every Disney princess movie is now Snow White. Well, here's, I didn't get upset. What I, what I said was prove it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you should write an article on that. That would be a great article. So yeah, Disney got mad at me enough when I said Mary Poppins returns 50 years too late. So I don't want them really upset at me. <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, Disney, Marvel, uh, the, I don't know who this man is. He's hacked into our podcast. <laughs> Uh, some, somehow. Could I ask, could I ask what, what, can you elaborate just a little bit on your Iron Man comment? Because that, that one just hit a little too close to home for me. Okay. You got Bruce all riled up. Well, ever, ever, so as you know, all the Disney princess movies followed a format, I'd say up until Frozen. And they all, all followed the Snow White format. Damsel in distress, evil stepmother, here comes the prince, saves her at the end, there's dwarfs, they're singing animals, whatever else, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. where Iron Man became the foundation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as as Marvel Snow White with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, superhero 
doesn't live up to the potential, finally accepts their potential after a traumatic uh, event. Uh, dad's best friend and former colleague tries to steal my tech. I outsmart him. I beat him at the end. And then Ant-Man did that. Captain America did that. Um, you know, uh, Thor did that with, uh, with Loki as well, you know, being the, the protagonist because it's his adopted brother and yep. so on and so forth. So they've just all followed that Iron Man pattern. Ant-Man is the best example of Iron Man on a small scale. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, I think we should dedicate a more of a big, a longer segment to this. So Robert, come back and we'll do this. And absolutely. You, Bruce, you can take counterpoint on this if you want. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, let's face it. It is formulaic, right, Chris? Right. I mean, when you and I yeah. sit down to talk about a, a horror film or a small budget or limited location, we're, you know, we're doing that too, right? Yeah. 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 And, with your books too. I mean, you're, you're following a fairly well-trod uh, path. So. Okay. Well, so uh, this is plot point. Let me do a commercial here. This is plot points podcast. I'm with Bruce Kazra, Chris Styers, and Robert Samo. Um, we are a podcast uh, tangential to the Orange County Screenwriters Association and OC film and television. Anyway, I'll give you more information as we go along. At this point, we're going to, I gave the, the guys the task of coming up with your top five favorite movie endings. Um, and, you know, jump in there. Uh, let's give it to Chris first. Let's talk to him and see what he's got, what he came up with. And, uh, some, give us a little explanation about why. Let's not get into, uh, pages. Don't go too heavy. Yeah. I like several romance movies. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorites is The Quiet Man. Okay. With John uh, Wayne, John Wayne. O'Hara, yeah. directed by John Ford. And the end of that movie, after the big fight, it comes down to these the two, John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara, they finally understand each other. And okay. it, it was just a cool ending when he finally got the, um, what is it? Dowage money from the brother. Dowry. The dowry money, yeah. And she looks at him and throws the money in the fire. Mm, nice. And it was both of them. They understood each other at last. And I, it was just a cool ending for okay. a cool movie. Okay, that's all the time we have, but uh, thank you. For- <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I rarely cry. At the end of movies, or even during the movie. Okay. At the end of Saving Private Ryan, huh. when old Ryan looks at his wife and asks her, have I led a good life? Mm. Am I a good man? Oh, yeah. I, wow. was, in, I was in tears. Wow. Right. I was, sure you, I, uh, I was sure you were going to go for old Yeller right there, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, number three on my list is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, when they box up the Ark of the Covenant and then suddenly they're wheeling it into that huge mm-hmm. warehouse mm-hmm. and you're going, what else is in there? Right. You know, it was just a totally cool ending for okay. a cool movie. Yeah. Very cool movie. And very subtle ending that I just love is from the original Godfather. 
Oh, God, yes, when, that's great. When, when Michael flat out lies to Kate uh-huh. that he didn't have his brother-in-law killed. Right. And, and then he goes into his study and here are all these guys bowing to him like they did to his father. And kissing the ring, right? Yeah. Kissing the ring and the door closes. Mm-hmm. Well, she and looks that, back at that moment, too. Yeah, and yeah. sees him and sees the door close on her, and she right. knows. And number one on my list is the ending of the original Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay. The good old Rod Serling. I know that was that was him. Right. With the uh, that, with the Statue of Liberty sticking out of the yep. sand. Yeah. Yeah, because at least when I originally saw it, I, and I still think it's cool. I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't either. I don't think I don't think many of us did. So uh, and cool. it worked. Yeah, I agree. All right, okay. good. Those are those are really good. I mean, I think uh, I agree with. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen the Quiet Man in quite a few years, but yeah. definitely, definitely the ones, the more contemporary ones. I, I I think Planet of the Apes has a great twist ending, but I think. Uh, I think Soylent Green as people is a better. (laughs) 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 Or to serve man as a cookbook. I, you know, come on, give me a break with that stuff. But that's all stuff. All All right. Um, Good job, Bruce. Nicely done. What, Bruce, uh, Mr. Casra, what do you got in your, uh, in your pipe? And my, (laughs) uh, yeah, so. Uh, these movies, uh, I would say a few of them are more recent. Uh, you, you can speak with, up just a little bit. Is it is this better? Yeah, so that's better. Thank you. Yeah, so the films I picked, I would say, are a little bit more uh, on the more more recent side. I do you mean within the last 20 years? Yeah, I know. Chris yeah, within, within my own lifetime, <laughs> I guess you could say. We can start there. Um, so with number five, uh, I threw in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, ah, Cuckoo's I Nest. I completely threw you off there, so you didn't see that one coming. Uh, oh, I I really love this ending. Uh, I feel like the whole tone of the film, it just sort of felt like Jack Nicholson. The the movie made you feel like Jack Nicholson had the upper hand the whole time, even when when he was in completely dire straits, when Nurse Ratchet was just awful to him and he couldn't do anything to to get out of the situation. He still had like that glimmer of hope and you really believed that he would get out of it. And then um, in the final ending, when uh, he ends up getting carted into that room Mm -hmm. and then he comes out and he's completely a different person, I just... I was it, it just it was a whole roller coaster of emotions for me when I saw it, and I actually saw that movie uh, in my sociology class in college, and I remember it was one of the few reasons I actually wanted to go to class. So uh, I, I give them credit, <laughs> I give them credit for that. And I, I, I Jack Nicholson obviously is a legend, and that, that's just one of my favorite films. Well, so you know that the messianic uh, character ending, it's you know his his sacrifice freed uh, Chief. To right. become yep. uh, empowered, but in the book uh, or the play, one or the other, all of them get out at the end, not just Chief. So the movie turned it down to Chief in order to give you that emotional, uh, that one emotional context. But in the wow. book or the play, they all get out uh, because of him. So oh, that's interesting. So they yeah. they did more of a yeah, it was more emotionally poignant, I guess. If only I, yeah, I so. yeah. Okay. Um, for number four, I put uh, Interstellar by Christopher Nolan. Okay. Um, this is one of those movies where you really, really could not figure out what was going on until the end. And uh, sometimes you'd even need uh, multiple viewings just to figure out what was going on. But, well, I would, uh, yeah, I was going to say, even at the end, you didn't know what exactly was going on. So. <laughs> well, I, I, I did. A, I, the movie for it, it really compelled me to do a lot of analysis to figure out uh, what the uh, 
Oh, that's the good. Idea was behind it. Uh, my third film is Whiplash. I think this one, uh, Whiplash, uh, by Damien Chazelle. Uh, I think it had one of the most, uh, I think, really poignant and just perfect endings of a film. Uh, it was just the demonstration of power going back and forth at the end, and I thought, and it was shown through music, which was such a unique way of uh, uh, showing that power. So yeah. that's that's one great film. Uh, okay. Number two, and this one really strikes close, close to home. I put Super Bad. Uh, another <laughs> another really and for finally for number one and i'll keep this one short i put shutter island uh, oh, by mark scorsese all right thank you um probably going to cut about half of that out but that's okay keep, wonderful keep the good bits <laughs> uh robert do you have a list i have a list the karate kid part two i thought was a great ending because in the first one it was tournament style this one He's the Italian kid who's assimilated to the West Coast, now has to do, deal with an immigrant story to Okinawa. Uh, it's a generational war between his instructor and his instructor's former best friend, and now it carries on over to them, which we see in modern society of how certain countries and cultures still deal with that. And in a life-or-death battle, he chose life and didn't kill his opponent. Mm, nice. But okay. I thought that was a great ending. Okay. Uh, Going back to uh, Mark's childhood, we're going with Charlie Chaplin's The Kid. <laughs> and <laughs> I will get worry. you in. You will, you oh, will suffer for that commenting class. I know. You're only like five years older than me, so it's okay. Right. You don't know how old I am because I put several different ages up online. Right. Mark will never tell anybody. He'll I hide the driver's license when he hands it to you. I only <laughs> tell the people I sleep with. And uh, Bruce, you missed that opportunity. <laughs> It's, it's something I'll have to live with. <laughs> I know, I know. One of your great regrets. Yeah. And the the kid, just that ending where Chaplin is chasing after the orphanage roundup truck after Jackie Coogan mm. uh, in 1921. And just that level of love and compassion for his essentially adopted son uh-huh. and, and holding him in. You know, the whole movie, you're laughing, you're crying, you're laughing, you're crying. And then at the end, Chaplin leaves you a wreck with this little boy in his arms is that it doesn't matter what the government says that these two will be father and son is an amazing ending. Yeah. Uh, Okay, great. Little generic, but everybody knows this one. Casablanca. Oh, God. Yeah. How did that not make it on your list? (laughs) I wanted to go with not my usual. Okay, but, but it was part. It was the first one on my initial list. Yeah, yeah that's a great one, Robert. Go ahead yes. and talk about it a little bit. Yes, and this is the only list where you will end up with Monster Squad and Casablanca being together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, just, just Humphrey Bogart brooding throughout the whole film, and you understand his internal struggle mm. and understanding that she's. Although as much as he loves her, she's not the one for him and he needs to let her go mm-hmm. in order to move on with his life and the struggles of World War II and everything else. And then even at the end, he's like, you know what? This is the start of a beautiful friendship. Mm-hmm. So he still has hope for it. Ah, that's good. That's a good point. Okay. And number one. And, and they'll always have Paris. Yeah. They'll always have Paris and a Frank for your thoughts. <laughs> uh, and to top it off, this movie left me a wreck for about a week. Uh-huh. And Clint Eastwood is still one of the greatest actors and directors, in my opinion. And it was Million Dollar Baby. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, a great film, yeah. the, neg- the neglectful family after she was paralyzed and did everything she could to build up the ranks as a female boxer, which was 
essentially unheard of at the time, mm-hmm. at least in film, other than Girl Fight with Michelle Rodriguez. I loves Girl Fight, yeah. Yeah. And um, just how it's a mercy killing. And then in the end, he just goes for pie at her favorite place just to pay tribute to her. Mm-hmm. So there's still that father-daughter aspect to it. But the fact that she wasn't allowed to suffer anymore and he still paid her honor and tribute, I thought was was a phenomenal ending to that film. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the, the great thing about uh, Eastwood is that, uh, is that he, um, he doesn't mess with the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, pretty much whatever you write, if he, he puts it down and that's, you know, that's a real tribute to him as a, as an artist. So uh, Paul Haggis wrote the script. So, if you liked the movie uh, as much as you did, apparently you gotta you gotta give Paul Haggis some credit too because uh, that, that that's where it came from. So, anyway, well, those are great lists, guys. Um, I, I really, you know, I of the of all of them, I'm not going to do mine because we're out of time. But of all of them, I, I agree with most of them. Um, there are a few that I, that I didn't um, appreciate. Not, you know, I wonder if it's possible to not love the movie, but think the ending was a great ending. I think that is possible. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen the kid in, that's such an unusual uh, pick. I, I would have never assumed that would have, that would have been on a list, but I'm going to have to watch it now, I guess. So. It's it's phenomenal. I love it. Okay. All right. Well, great, guys. So I'd like to, at this point, again, mention that we are Plot Points Podcast. We um, are a uh, uh, primarily dedicated to screenwriting, but we do have other filmmakers and uh, tangential to the art of screenwriting and the craft of screenwriting. Uh, I'm with uh, uh, my friend Chris Dyers, Bruce Kazra, and uh, Robert Samo, who uh, is the proprietor of Fanboy Nation and Fangirl Nation which is a great website to visit. Um, and Chris is a published author uh, many times over. He's done a, how many short stories have you, have you sold Chris? Oh, I'm not sure. I think the last time I checked between short stories and articles and stuff, it was like 70. Yeah. Good. Good God. So yeah, you're, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but one of my favorite uh, things of, that of all time that you wrote was a uh, was a short story that that uh, I just I, I can never forget it. It's just incredibly w- well done. So, um, well, thank you. And then somehow you went to hell. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, what I'd like to do now is talk a little bit about. Um, I'm going to try <clears throat> every podcast to introduce. A, uh, a new, a new script writing concept or uh, a tip. And for this one, I'm one of my articles for creative screenwriting on dialogue should be published, um, pretty soon. I think this month and it's on how to make your dialogue better, um, gooder. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to mention was something called subtextual dialogue. Um, let me, let me get the, a definition so that, uh, we can all be on the same page with this. Um, <laughs> It says, under dialogue, there can be conflict, anger, competition, pride, showing off, or other implicit ideas and emotions. Subtext is the unspoken thoughts and motives of the character, what they really think and believe. 
And so I have, I have three examples of this. And most of the time I tell my students, first of all, don't set your dialogue in a static environment like a coffee shop or a restaurant. Put it on the move. Put it in a bus, anywhere that that's moving, someplace that's uh, that's. But in the in the context of dialogue, a lot of times we write things like just yes or no, or I don't know, or I don't care, or you know stuff that's really mundane. And there's a great line in the Pope of Greenwich Village, uh, which is about two uh, two guys, kind of uh, you know, in the Bronx or the or Brooklyn. Uh, both Italian. One is a very kind of responsible. He's he's a, a you know a host at a uh, restaurant and his cousin Paulie, got to say it like that, Paulie, uh, is a kind of irresponsible, uh, you know, party boy. Uh, he's a waiter and he's always stealing from the restaurant. So uh, uh, what's his name? Goes to the to the restaurant and he goes to pay off his bookie, Charlie, 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 uh, goes to pay off his bookie. And he says to the bookie, did um, did uh, Paulie make his payment? And the bookie says, Polly who? So <laughs> what that means is that instead of saying yes, no, or that asshole or whatever, he says Polly who, and the way he does it, the way it's delivered and the way it's written, it gives you the sense before we even meet Polly, what kind of a guy Polly is. Uh, and it, it's just a brilliant piece of writing um, that, that I've always appreciated. Uh, there's some really great lines in that. I think I brought up uh, one of them last, uh, last podcast, but um, another great example is um, the the fly, and this was one of my favorite lines. And we're talking about a movie where um, there's a uh, a scientist who's you know obviously acted in god in a godlike fashion. He's created he's he's created a hybridized version of himself. He's becoming a fly, and at some point, uh, the movie's a romance too. Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum are in love with each other, and at some point. Jeff Goldblum is still human. He's still able to sit in a chair and he has a human, kind of a humanish face. But uh, Gina Davis comes over and just can't believe the transformation. And she's crying and she's, she's, you know, she's uh, emotionally distraught because she wants to help him, but she doesn't know how. And he tells her, you have got, you've got to leave. And she won't leave. She keeps crying and telling him no. And he says, have you ever heard of insect politics? And she says, no. And he says, neither have I. Meaning, you know, subtextually, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to kill you. But instead of saying, get out of here, you're in danger, I'm going to kill you, I can't control myself, that line, have you ever heard of insect politics, is just brilliantly written because it speaks volumes about what's what's happening at that moment. Um, at the same time that Jeff Goldblum would love to have her humanity, uh, he knows that he, he, will, he will be lacking his pretty soon and uh, he's going to hurt her. And in fact, at the end of the movie, he does uh, try to hurt her. Uh, so, mm. um, the last example I have is kind of a made-up one. Let's let's assume two brothers are are fighting with each other for most of the movie. The uh, the one brother storms into the other brother's apartment, who's about to eat some pizza, and uh, the guy goes, uh, "Yeah, blah blah blah." They have this big, maybe maybe even a physical confrontation. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it is a verbal physical confrontation. And at the end of this confrontation, they're both exhausted. They're looking at each other, and the one brother says to the other brother, uh, are we good? And the other brother just looks at him, and he opens a box of pizza, and he says, cheese or pepperoni. So without saying we're good, without saying you – you don't even have to set up the line. You don't even have to say, well, we're good. You can just have the brother walk over to the pizza box, open it up, and say, 
you want cheese or pepperoni, implying that if they're sharing that meal, they're sharing, they're, they're done with their argument or whatever their discussion is. So, so the, the idea here is to try to eliminate, uh, when possible, the direct moment of, of, uh, and it's hard to do, believe me, um, it's not easy, but subtextual dialogue shows that you've achieved another level in your writing. And, uh, people who read movies, read scripts a lot, uh, will recognize that and you, you'll, you'll get a better result from your scripts. So that's it. That's a script tip. That's also mentioned in the article that I did for Creative Screenwriting Magazine, which hopefully will be out this month. So kind of check it out. My, you can find it under, probably find it under my name soon. I, I, he hasn't sent me a, a date yet, but I'm assuming it's in the next couple of weeks. So I like that. That's, that that's a great, great tip. Yeah. That was a great yeah. one. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to do that every week. Um, and if you guys, if anybody has any, uh, suggestions, uh, I know there's people out there that listen to us because I can see my statistics on uh, the podcast. You can reach us at uh, plotpoints.com, um, or you can go to, uh, iTunes. And, um, there's also a number, a phone number associated with the podcast. It's 919 scripts. And you can just dial that number and leave a message. And um, if you want us to put your voice on the air, just give us permission on that recording. It's just going to go to a recording and we'll answer your question. If you don't want us to talk, put it on the air, just ask the question or any suggestions. Or even if you hate us, if, if you really don't like Chris, um, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, and, if you and if you accidentally call thinking it's a phone sex hotline, Mark can also help you. there. I will I'd be happy to take that call. Thank you very much. <laughs> At three dollars a minute. <laughs> is that what you charge, Robert? So, What's that? Two fifty. That what you yeah. No, two fifty. Uh, uh, mine's a little discounted. <laughs> I, I I think I only got it for two dollars last time, so I appreciate the discount further. Yeah, yeah. Fr- well, friends and family, man. Friends right. And family. Exactly. So, all right, we're gonna we're gonna call it a day here. We're almost uh, at time. I'm trying to reduce the the scope of the not the scope, but the minutes of the podcast. Anyway, even though I think it's all wonderful. It does get to be a long sit. So um, at this point, I'd love to uh, thank my my wonderful co-hosts, Chris Styers, who's a published author and is a wonderful, just a wonderful human being. I, you're all wonderful human beings. So let's just cut to the chase. Let's do algebra and just take that out of the equation. <laughs> uh, but Chris, thank you very much for always being, uh, uh, you know. Great. I appreciate your invitation. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, good, good. Yes. Well, and thank Bruce, you for being the common denominator for putting us all together. <laughs> <laughs> great, great human beings. You cross that out and you transpose the equation and you got it. So, uh, Bruce, you're, uh, you're equally as joyous to me as a, uh, you're a young, young man, but you have a old soul and I really do appreciate that part of who you are. So. Oh, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I want you to do more writing and stuff like that. I, I like the comedy. I think the comedy idea is great, but you know, get some, what's, what's your, uh, what's your, uh, your, your worst half, uh, uh, Eric or, um, Derek. Derek doing? Yeah. <laughs> you already forgot. Uh, Derek is still, uh, panhandling in LA, uh, <laughs> as he's doing for the past three or four months. Right. Um, I think he finally pitched his tent outside of, uh, uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater, and I think he found a home there. So I, uh-huh. I, I, I think he's doing better. <laughs> God, no, is just, he is he the new Batman out uh, out running out there? He, they just they finally the first Asian Batman <laughs> on the Hollywood Boardwalk. I think that's I think he's the first one. 
Um, no, but I think uh, he's been working on uh, music videos this whole time. I think mm-hmm. he's, he's doing at least, I think he's averaging, I think, two or three a month now. So Wow, uh, good yeah, for he's, him. He's, he's been working really hard. He has some consistent work coming in. Uh, all right, well, tell him uh, tell him if he wants to be on the podcast uh, next time to get in touch with me, and I will, because I refuse to reach out to him anymore. That's <laughs> it. He's dead to me. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll reach out on your behalf. Yeah, reach on both out. of our behalf, to be honest all right. Um, and Robert Samo uh, with Fanboy Nation and Fangirl Nation and soon to be uh, here. You'll hear his dulcet tones on every GM uh, commercial on the planet. Oh, from your lips to God's ears. I'd love a Cadillac commercial. <laughs> there you go. That'd be, a, that'd be bank, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for uh, for uh, agreeing. And, and you're wonderful. Let's, uh, what do you think, guys? Should we ask him back at some point? Yeah, absolutely. I think he, I think he's earned his place. (laughs) I greatly appreciate that compliment. Thank you so much. And then again to the staff at Fangirl Nation led by Victoria Irwin Biggs and everybody at Fanboy Nation. Uh, we thank you for having us. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful, uh, website and organization. And, uh, I think you're going to have to come back and defend your, uh, Marvel slash Disney comment and I'll, I'll i'll cue up bruce into you know i'll get him i'll get him i'll make him like the uh, scene in apocalypse now i'll i'll get him all jacked up for for his performance for that we'll get those giant inflatable gloves you know the ones that expand to about four feet and then we right. can just start slugging it out <laughs> or better bruce. yet we'll just wear a fake sumo wrestling outfits and see who can get push each other out of the ring bruce, you're, you're gonna get better. your ass kicked forget about it you don't realize how big this guy is so i don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is the sound. I feel like I can take it right now, but I feel like I'm sort of mistaken. No, he's uh, he. he I, in fact, I commented to him. I said, "You're you're a martial artist's worst nightmare because he has both judo and um, MMA or wrestling experience, but he's also a, he's also a, a tall, big guy. So it would it'd be impossible to move him off the mark. So you don't you don't want to get in a ring with him. So stay away. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep we'll keep it above the belt. Stay away, young young, uh, young Jedi. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for uh, for spending you some time with us. And as always, be inspired. Do good work. And that's all that's tricking you. So step in line.